Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Uh, welcome to another episode of Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Amit Kakar. Uh, Amit, let's uh, tell me a bit about yourself. Let's tell me about your story, how you went from investing in Canada to investing in the States, or if you just took the plunge straight to the States. Let's go through uh, who you are and then into your story. Absolutely. Thanks, Ben. Pleasure, pleasure being on your show here. Um, yeah, so yeah, Amit Kakar, uh, you know, I'm actually a uh, chartered accountant by profession. Oh. Um, yeah, I uh, <laughs> you know, graduated UFT and, and then sort of joined KPMG article there uh, and then went into the corporate world. Um, you know, the, the normal nine to five rat race, as they say. Um, so yeah, in, in terms of real estate and, and the reason why we're here today in, in terms of my journey, I really commenced my journey um, by sort of acquiring my matrimonial home uh, back in 2002, you know, as a, you know, my principal residence yeah. where I still, you know, actually live today. It's in the GTA. Um, but, you know, I quickly realized that the nine to five um, and, and putting what I could in RSP uh, just wasn't enough. I, I just didn't feel like it's going to be satisfying the sort of successful retirement that I, that I really wanted at the, you know, the age of age of 65. So I ultimately actually stumbled about, upon a book called the, the wealthy barber. Yeah, I've read I that. Yeah, <laughs> really key basic insights into concept of, you know, just pay yourself first, um, you know, leverage other people's money, um, you know, the, the pay your first for the pay yourself first concept of skimming off the 10 to for 10 to 20% first right off your paycheck, um, you know, directing those funds to a co- company sponsored RSP, having the leverage of, you know, the employer portion, you know, basically it's free money in terms of the RSP match, um, help accelerate the, the retirement. And then also the, the number one concept that really um, stood with me was, uh, you know, was accelerating it through owning one additional, just one additional investment property. So in addition to having my principal residence, if I could just own one additional investment property, which is outlined in the wealthy barber, and having those successfully paid off by the time you're retired, could theoretically fund your entire retirement. And 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 just with the concept of inflation and and inflation adjustment, price increases, you know, something you buy today could theoretically be worth more than millions uh, by the time you retire, right? Um, so the book also went into you know the overall life journey of finances in terms of insurance and estates and, and all that stuff. So it was really quite interesting. And, and so that's what really perked my desire to own, to purchase that one and only one investment property. It's also- You know helped- what, sorry to cut you off, but like <laughs> I had this idea in my head for a long time, like when I bought my first Canadian rental properties that I'm like, yeah. I just need to buy these and pay them off. And That's I was right. like, where did I get that idea from? Because like I afterwards I got in because I read Wealthy Barber first, right. and then I got into the Robert Kiyosaki, and then I got into everything. But I was, <laughs> yeah. I was always like, where did I get this idea that I just want to pay off this property? Because I was right. like, now I'm like, that seems kind of counterintuitive to some yeah. some of the stuff. But I was like, where did I get that? And now I know where I got the ideas from that book. But I haven't read it in years. But maybe yeah. I'll have to give it another listen. But anyway, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, hey, no worries. Yeah, they actually came up with a remake as well to to, to returns. Yeah, time. I have yeah. it too. Okay, awesome. Um, I'm a reader. Yes. I, I read a lot of books. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so yeah, I went I went on to that journey of, of having perked my interest in buying that one property uh, to help you know fund the retirement. It also helped that you know my father-in-law was also an investor. Um, you know, so post-marriage, I was constantly berating him with questions. I was really scared to take a plunge, you know, um, paralysis by the numbers, if they say. Um, yeah. I forget the actual term. An- analysis paralysis? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's the one. And, and so, it, you know, leveraging his knowledge and, the, you know, just helped me build the confidence over the years um, to, to actually take the plunge. So, I, you know, essentially started in the to- Toronto condo market. Uh, back in December 2007, uh, I bought sort of my first condo at Front and Spadina. It was a resale. 
uh, you know, the, the classic city place condos. Yeah. Um, and my strategy, you know, ever since has really been buy and hold. Um, you know, as you say, it's kind of counterintuitive, but but it is sort of just strictly. No, it will it off. will work. Yeah, yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah. Strictly pay them off and, and sort of substitute substitute my current paycheck with this passive real estate check. So so once I get to that threshold, you know, whatever that number is that can replace my current income and my current lifestyle with the passive cash flow uh, is, is sort of my goal, right? Um, you know, and and I look at sort of in all honesty, the appreciation as really being the icing and, and not the cake itself. Uh, so for many investors I know out there that it's kind of the reverse, but but I'm all about the slow, stay, safe and steady mindset. Yeah. Um, and the number one objective historically was always to ensure that the rental income would cover all the costs. Um, so, so no matter what kind of economic downturn that I'll have to weather, I wouldn't really care because my costs are covered. Um, and, you know, luckily for, net, for us, we haven't really seen any bumps in the road over the last 20, <laughs> 20, 20 plus years. Uh, but, but of course, no one has a crystal ball uh, with all the printing of the money that's going on with the, you know, the pandemic, you know, not, you know, there's a lot of still speculative buying going out there. So we don't know where it's going to go. So I, I just kind of take the speculation out of the game. And, and with my strategy, I don't really care if the, from a paper gains perspective, whether the property values go up or down, it's just sort of, um, I'm sort of, you know, I don't even care about that, that sort of aspect. Um, you yep. know, over, overall, I, I plan to, you know, trade my time um, that I earn money from my nine to five, which we really all know that isn't really <laughs> nine to five. Yeah. Uh, ultimately allowing my money to make money uh, and my time becoming my own. Um, and, and like I mentioned, just getting out of that rat race concept. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately I quickly learned that um, I was now not only paying off. So once I acquired that one property, I, I quickly realized that my nine to five paycheck was not only paying off my mortgage, but now I've had to be able, I was able to leverage my tenants um, paycheck to leverage a second mortgage. So I was really simultaneously now paying off two mortgages without needing to work harder or, or do anything different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's like kind of a multiplier effect. And, and so then like I started thinking, I was like, why, why stop at one? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it really became a, a true passion uh, to grow the portfolio year, year in and year out. Um, you know, I ultimately bought my second condo uh, downtown exactly two years later in September of 2009. That one was a, a, a new build. Yep. Um, and, I, you know, I leveraged my uh, principal residence, you know, by the time between 2001, when I actually acquired my principal residence to now, I'd built up a, quite a bit of equity through natural appreciation and, and the overall pay down of the, 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 the principal. Yep. So yep. I leveraged that to buy the second and, and sort of the third properties, uh, which was acquired again another two years later in 2011. And then I got really aggressive. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> now let's, let, let's think about geographical diverse, diversification. Let's think about um, really taking this to the next level and, and getting out of the, the rat race well before 65. Um, and at that same time, you know, there was that financial crisis um, and, and I saw prices in the U.S. that were really depressed starting to bottom out. But, but yep. what actually really intrigued me was the fact that foreign exchange rates were at par or even more favorable to the Canadian dollar for the Canadian dollar. So it was just, you know, I thought to myself, this is a no brainer, even if even if FX rates, um, you know, there's no way FX rates can stay at par. Let's put that out there for, for a second. Yep. And if anything, it would drop 20 to 30%. And then, so that would be an easy win for me. Even if nothing else happens to prices, you know, they stay at this bottom for the next 20 years, you know, in some past crises, it took the market to recover many years, right? Yeah. Um, so I thought to myself, even if that happens, it's, it's okay. Um, and I thought to myself, um, you know, then, then the next question really came where to invest in the States. Um, you know, and, and as being from Ontario, we always thought about the snowbird destination being the classic Florida. Yeah. Um, and, and that's 
and in my mind, that was the only really place to go because that's where every Canadian goes. Um, and so around that same time frame, interestingly enough, I was just vacationing with the family in uh, Cancun, Mexico, uh, staying at a resort called the Moon Palace, where I was actually, and, and part of that Moon Palace package included a round of golf. And I'm, I'm a, I actually like to think of myself as an avid golfer. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we got we got paired up with uh, with a couple, an elderly couple in uh, that were from Alberta, that just happened to be vacationing out there at the same time. We we paired up and, and became uh, you know a foursome for from a golf perspective. Yeah. And uh, we started talking, and they mentioned to me that because they're from the west coast in Alberta, that their snowbird destination is Phoenix, Arizona. And I was just I was just an eye-popping experience. <laughs> yeah. like I, I had no idea, you know, my, my eyes were wide open at this point. I was like, there's a whole nother U.S. snowbird destination. And yeah. uh, so I got back from the vacation, started researching right away uh, and really comparing, because I, I really knew I had to take advantage of this market. It's one way, one shape, one way or another. Yeah. And um, so it's whether Florida or Arizona. So I narrowed my two markets down and now it's just doing an apples to apples comparison. And you know what really came apparent to me from a risk mitigation perspective and fundamentals was, you know, a, what would be my cost? Because again, I was, I'm very conservative, Yeah, uh, no. you know, right, relatively risk adverse, although now people would probably say not so. <laughs> um, but, you know, my whole thing was with this crisis, if I don't find a renter ever, you know, what is it going to cost for me to hold this property? What is my sort of standby cost? Right. And in Florida, I, I realized that it's going to be, you know, closer to the six to 800 range, given the higher property taxes, the higher home insurance, higher HOAs, the homeowners association fees. Um, you know, I just felt that those costs relative to Arizona when I was comparing them were much higher. And I think part of that, the answer to that is maybe the cities in Florida that I was looking at um, were more risk adverse to potential natural disasters such as the hurricanes and so forth. So which uh, way were you comparing like the Miami Orlando's or what was correct. your, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, more Miami, uh, um, it was um, Sarasota. Yeah the retirement community yep. um, and, and so forth. And, and so, yeah, I, would, I really didn't narrow, get to that point of really narrowing it in too much. Yeah, no, no, um, no. But I just, I just knew that when I was looking at some properties and going to these seminars and they were trying to break down the costs, that the vacancy cost would be X amount in terms of a fixed cost. And when I looked at Arizona, my property tax would be $100 a month or $1,000, a $1,200 a year. Yeah. Um, my insurance was going to be 50 bucks. And my HOAs were 50 bucks, so $200, and, and, and that's all I had to incur. And, and, and the worst natural disaster there was a sandstorm. I was like, I think I could weather a sandstorm. <laughs> um, and, and I guess the only other cost in Arizona I found was, you know, the air conditioning uh, malfunctioning just because of the, the extreme hot, uh, hot weather there. But, yeah. you know, all said and done, uh, I, I decided that I needed to take the plunge, and the plunge would be in Arizona. Um, so, I, you know, again, to mitigate my risk, not having been in that U.S. market, it's a brand new world to me. And, and like you mentioned, you know, there wasn't a lot of information out there except for these yeah. seminars and, and, and really folks trying to pitch their own bias, right? In terms of, you know, us coming along with, to their journey. Yeah. I thought to myself, I got to start my own journey. Um, and, and, you know, as, as much as I hate to, you know, reinvent the wheel, <clears throat> there wasn't really much of a wheel out there to start with. So, um, you know, so I, 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 again, with the concept of further mitigating my risk, I partnered up with uh, in a joint venture for like-minded individuals here in Canada. And we, we, we took a, you know, a, a flight out there. Um, we got some um, referrals from a, an agent here in terms of some folks that they, uh, they have contacts with in Arizona. So we leveraged that contact. It was a remax agency out in Phoenix. Yeah. Um, so we called them, uh, they lined up a bunch of listings for us mm -hmm. to view. Um, and, you know, 
there were still a lot of concerns and, and I try to mitigate a lot of my concerns in the US market. You know, one of them being cross-border taxation. Uh, another natural concern was the fact that, you know, the US, there's a lot more litigation from tenants. Uh, at least that's what I was always worried about US and how, <laughs> yeah. how, how much litigation there's out there on, on every little thing, right? Yeah. Uh, so how do I mitigate that? Uh, those are the probably the two key risks for me. And, and you know, also understanding what the rental markets were like over there and what I could really fetch in terms of rent versus the cost, right? And making sure that, that percentage was reasonable. Um, so anyways, um, you know, in 2013, um, so sorry, 2012, we ended up buying two properties out there in a span of four months. Yep. And in 2013, we, we acquired another three. Um, and ultimately that's sort of where we, we stand today. Um, yep. and, uh, now I'm kind of at the crossroads with my portfolio in terms of, you know, thinking about revisiting my structure. Um, you know, as we, when we start out with this journey, we, we, we don't think about certain things. And we grow too fast, too soon, and, and then now you got to kind of think back and you know revisit the structure you bought these in because a lot of these things I bought my properties in were, were in my own name. Yeah. Um, revisiting sort of my insurance policies, making sure that I, I mitigate the risk from that perspective, and then now the reason why you know you and I connected, um, you know, as I mentioned, having heard you on the Andrew Hines show um, and, and your great show on, on sort of Canadians investing in the U.S. market, um, I thought you know why don't I leverage your expertise and, and knowledge in other markets, um, given that. I don't see an opportunity in Phoenix right now because it seems to be a little frothy. Yeah. Um, there seems to be a lot of supply shortage in Phoenix and, and maybe, you know, across the U.S. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but, but those are some of the reasons why I want to reach out to you is really pick your brain on terms of what markets are, you know, lucrative for us here Canadians to still with from a um, you know, percentage of rent to the cost of acquiring a U.S. property. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the story in a nutshell. Cool. I have a couple questions I wrote down sure. as we were talking. So yeah. I'm guessing these were cash purchases because you didn't have many other costs, right? Uh, from, from a U.S. market perspective or Canadian? Well, when you're buying your properties in the U.S., right? You bought the oh, two yes. and then you bought the three. That's um, right. I'm guessing those were all cash because you were saying your expenses were so low. I didn't hear any mortgage in there. So I'm, I'm guessing you sure. did cash on that, right? Uh, so, so when we bought our first one, it was correct, all cash. Yeah. Um, and then we got to start talking to a bunch of folks out there. Um, you know, I was, I was just really cold calling every bank I could think of. Um, and I came across and even leveraging real estate agencies and so forth in terms of how other Canadians are doing it. And I came across a, a lender that was willing to give us a 50% loan to value on our second property. Okay. So we, we, we put in, um, you know, 50% more cash to acquire the second one. Um, and then we can, you know, we leveraged that same bank essentially to buy the next three as well. So we've got 50% loan to value out there. I mean, of course the interest rates were astronomical. Um, it's a I think different the, back then, yeah, because they yeah. had to, it's a lot of risk back then. <laughs> That's right, yeah, and we're considered, as Canadians to the, to the U.S., we're considered aliens still. Yeah. Uh, we probably still are today, <laughs> and uh, and we were, um, yeah, my interest rates on the first few, I think we're at uh, 6.25 and, and uh, 4.75 now, and I, you know, coincidentally, I just called the banks um, just this week, given the low interest rates, historically low interest rates, and they're willing to work with me. Uh, to further bring the rates down to a you know uh, a few basis points down so it's great news for us yeah that is great yeah so um did you do a, like a cash out refinance or you just you stuck with those original loans yeah we haven't really gotten creative out there yet and then that's why we're here today so now that we've built a lot of equity you know the properties that purchased out there were in the sort of the 120 to 160 uh range yeah um and again remember i, I bought them at par with ten dollars so now uh, with if you consider foreign exchange plus depreciation, these properties are, are well over worth. Um, so I, 
if you think about it, buying them a par was 100,000, 150,000, say Canadian. Yeah. Um, now that same property with FX is worth well over, uh, you know, north of 300,000. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they've done quite well over the, over the tenure here. Yeah. Um, so now it's time to see we, if we can leverage that, those funds and the equity, uh, do a cash out, you know, uh, whether it's a cash out refinance or just create a line of credit yeah. um, and, and kind of go shopping again. Cool. And then how for your, <clears throat> sorry, for your properties down there, I'm guessing you're using uh, a property management for that. Yeah. Thing? Yeah. Yeah. The Remax. We're okay. leveraging okay. Remax. Yeah. 8%. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's a typical rate is usually yeah. 8%. Sometimes they try and stick you with a 10 when you're new, but yeah, eight is mm-hmm. pretty typical yeah. sort of rate. Um, do you, uh, I'm, I'm not, I haven't done any Arizona investing myself. And I was just curious, like, can you um, raise the rents whenever you like in Arizona or is it on uh, renewals or is it when tenants leave? Cause I know different States are different ways. Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, so, so one of the reasons that again, I went to Arizona and, and in part of my comparison was in fact, making sure that they were landlord friendly. And what I found was the eviction process in Phoenix was really uh, landlord friendly. And in terms of answering your question on the rents, uh, yeah, generally on, on, at, at every renewal stage, you can yeah. raise the rents to, to whatever you want, whatever the market will bear and whatever the tenants are willing to bear. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so, yeah. so it, it's definitely rental increase. There's no sort of set amount that you're capped to or anything like here in Ontario. So if your properties have doubled in price, have your rents came sort of kept up with that kind of ratio or is it not quite? Not, well, I mean, um, I know so, it's probably, it's pretty hard to do that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Uh, so it's a fair, fair question. So I think we started out rental rates around about, I'd say 11 to 1200 a month. Actually not even, uh, I'd say uh, 1095 was probably the, the, the first rent. And that's the property. Now uh, we, we can kind of fetch about 1600 now. So 60% okay. increase. Um, although property values have gone up, you know, 300 yeah. yeah everything you bought anything back then you did okay <laughs> but, but yeah but what's interesting now is that um not only are there no supply of properties uh in in phoenix but there also there's no supply of rent so we actually just had a vacancy come up uh last month and i, I kid you not it it, uh, it was rented for 1450 and it, it got swooped up in a day when we listed for 1650 it was just it, and that was just that tenant was only there for i would say i want to say two years and uh, you know, good, good, good size depreciation on the rental side. So there's definitely a huge uptick. I can see these properties renting out for two thousand each very quickly. Yeah, well, that's good. Whenever it swoops up that fast, I wasn't sure if you're going to go the other way with it, but that's that's really good. That's uh, that's a hot market, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else do I need to know about Arizona. <laughs> I haven't I haven't done much stuff. I haven't done anything in, in Arizona. I uh, yeah. I haven't even been to Arizona. So you went <laughs> down there and, and toured these at least, right? So yeah, 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 definitely. We 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 sort of when we met that contact over the phone, uh, we just asked them to line up some investor friendly properties, low cost basis. Um, you know, it's just our first entry point. Um, yeah, so that's how we kind of started. And then ever since, every time we go back, we kind of stay in Scottsdale because it's really the the hot vacation spot and great. Uh, great hotels out there. Um, and then we, uh, we sort of go on to the suburbs because uh, I found Scottsdale is the epicenter, but, but properties yeah. values are more conducive to maybe um, personal residences as opposed to investments. Uh, although a lot of people do invest in Scottsdale as, as well. Uh, but we found going into the suburbs, similar to like a, you know, a Mississauga and Oakville, uh, yeah. you know, kind of suburb relative to where we are um, would be probably the best where we want to invest. And that's what we did. So, you know, 30, 30 minute drive into Scottsdale into the, the epicenter, um, where we're sort of our location point. So, you know, we bought in the uh, counties of Maricopa, uh, Glendale, 
um, Avondale, uh, El Mirage. So these are the suburbs comparative to other suburbs like the GTA, if you will, yeah. uh, outside of Toronto, yeah. And then uh, for these kind of suburbs, I, I, you mentioned HOA fees similar to Florida. So they're, I'm guessing they, they're one of those cities or states yeah, so, that loves the little communities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we, we, we were very new to that concept, but when we got to thinking about it, we thought, hey, this is a great way for the preservation of our investment. These, these homeowners associations, these, there's these folks that are driving around our neighborhoods, making sure that trash cans are not visible, People are not randomly parking on the street, uh, making sure that you know the painting of their exterior brick colors, the landscaping is all adhered to certain bylaws of the municipality is actually a great thing. So you know, let's pay that fifty bucks a month and, and let's not worry about it. Um, it's it's actually maintaining the appreciation and the value of our homes, and it's a, it's a positive thing, ultimately. Well, and fifty dollars a month is nothing. Yeah, it's exactly. whenever you get into some of those like Florida ones, they're like. Four hundred dollars a month. You're like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it, well, it, but sometimes it includes like we were looking at some in Tampa, and they're like, includes access to the water park. It includes right. golf course fees. But you're like, this is for tenants. Like this isn't yeah. for me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you're like, this doesn't work for me, right? And yeah, so like, yeah. oh, it's an interesting thing. Um, when you're also dealing with HOAs, I know some of them will uh, not allow Airbnb. I'm guessing is that. Have you looked into that sort of side? No, of it? that yeah, that's funny. So uh, we're, I'm actually looking into that next. Um, yeah. I've always been uh, a view of a long-term investment, yeah. a long-term tenant story. Um, so I haven't really thought about Airbnb. Um, so my next call out this week actually will be to call the HOAs uh, where each of my properties reside and, and assess whether AMB, Airbnb is positive uh, or, or applicable there or not. Yeah, because you know, then it, you know, it had, well, you have some personal uh, perks to it too. Like you, you could technically instead of Absolutely. staying in a hotel, you could stay that's in that right. place, right? right? Whenever you go to visit for a week or whatever, yeah. No, sure. so that's awesome. Well, whenever we can, if you actually want to go to the States right now. That yeah, is. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're probably, yeah, you know, we, we definitely do for a trip because um, we do definitely want to go shopping, as I mentioned. So once the uh, borders open to get up again, I'm hoping to leverage some knowledge from yourself, uh, yeah. leverage some other contacts and, you know, from realtors and in, in different markets and then start, uh, start that process of acquiring the next few in the U.S. and growing that portfolio. Yeah. Cool. Um, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do so? Uh, yeah, probably email. Um, and, and my email is uh, A uh, for my first initial underscore yep. uh, my last name, K-A-K-A-R at hotmail.com. Perfect. Yeah. So if you're interested in Arizona, give him a message and see. Yeah, happy to, happy uh, to, you know, provide a sort of, you know, even a, a evaluation of one of your deals. Uh, if there's anyone out there that's looking for some sort of evaluation, um, and then just any any information, whether it be or about the U.S. or Canadian market, happy to uh, support any of your viewers and their needs. You also said you're an accountant. Do you do yes. like a cross-border CPA? <laughs> I, I actually don't try. I try not to mix um, sort of my personal and my, um, you know, taxation, even though I could theoretically do it. Yeah. Um, just, just to, you know, just because you, you may be aggressive or too conservative, you always want that separate set of eyes, I think. You know what? I totally respect that because I totally believe that, if you do fewer things, you do a much better job at it. Perfect. If you start yeah. saying you do everything, you're like, you're here, you're there, you're yeah. kind of in it. You haven't read all the journals and everything on That's every right. topic. Yeah. And you, yeah, no, I, I totally like, appreciate and respect that that mentality to it. Yeah. And I think one, one thing I am working on is, is uh, uh, grabbing my mortgage agency license. So I'm actually working on that. And eventually I think I'll, I'll probably get my realtor license as well. So almost creating a, a one-stop shop 
um, is, is sort of like in my, Canada, right? In Toronto. In Canada. Yeah. In Toronto. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. I Absolutely. really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great meeting you as well. And uh, yeah, happy to uh, jump on future episodes or whatever you, you're, you're interested in chatting again. Yeah, maybe we no can problem. explore Sounds my great. next. Yeah, maybe I can come back on and we can explore sort of one of the next properties I purchased or something, and just Definitely. do a sort of a, a number crunching, you know, ten minute quick episode or something. Yeah, oh, that, that, I think that people would love that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, great. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Glenn. Take care.